Welcome everyone. I'm Kevin Miller and this is the Ziggler show inspired by the grandfather of inspiration himself, Zig Ziggler. Our focus here is you and your personal development. The way to have more tomorrow is to become more today. So we bring you the best of today's world influencers and discover how we can all apply new and classic methodologies of personal growth to our lives. So are you suffering from a desire you have but you aren't making progress toward? Are you clear on why you want it? Why you really want it? So the truth is most people aren't. They have a list of wants and desires they think they should want and maybe actually do to a degree, but they don't have a clear picture in mind of what the actual payoff really is. And I'll tell you, a should is just not enough motivation to get us to take action. It's got to become a true desire, true want. I mean, if you press into clarity on what and why you want something, you're either going to gain true motivation or you may realize you don't want it enough, which is not always a bad thing, as you'll hear in the show. So the idea here came from Hal Elrod, our guest in show 707, where we talked about his new book, Miracle Equation, which was a message geared toward helping people take action on the things that have inspired them. From this, I posted uh, a question to the Ziegler listening audience. I, I asked, what is the desire you have that you are struggling to take action towards? And what do you think might help your motivation? So we received responses from people who wanted to find a fitting career they believed in or make more money or write a book or pursue physical fitness. A surprising majority shared side businesses and business ideas they really wanted to pursue, but were feeling stalled out uh, for many, many reasons, as you'll hear. I asked Michelle Prince to join me and talk through the comments. I think you'll find this show convicting and freeing both. Hey, thanks again from all to all of us at Ziggler, to you, our esteemed listeners, for tuning into this message of inspiring your true performance from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and taking us to the 40 million download mark. We're just about to hit it. Zig's greatest desire was for all of us to continue on his devotion of positive personal growth. And you obviously are. Well, I'll bring you Michelle Prince and your comments right after I share some great products and services from our sponsors. Well, Michelle, as I often do, I thought, well, let's start off being candid. What is something that uh, we desire, we want, uh, that we're struggling to take action towards? And mine is easy right now. I am in kind of planning, but really even more just organizing mode. Uh, I've got admittedly so different, various multiple business endeavors right now. Um, so many family issues going on issues. That sounds bad, like negative, but just family stuff, you know, whether it's a, last night we were up late planning the next trip and yada, yada. And then just personal things, things I'm wanting to do just for my own person. And I often come to the beginning of the day and it's, Oh my, so much brain power is wasted on what do I do next? So literally been doing a, this massive, you know, kind of to do sheet for every area and then trying to prioritize. So I know what to do, but that is such a struggle for me. I'm not a planner. I would just kind of, I like to be spontaneous. I don't like taking the time to plan. It gives me a headache getting organized. And it's something I really would rather delegate, but I've got so much stuff going on. I, I don't know how to do that either. So I'm in that. So I am taking some action, but it's a daily uh, bit of belligerence. How's that? A daily so, struggle. <laughs> uh -huh, a daily struggle. Yeah. So, so there's me. How about you? 
So I have been struggling to take action on something, something that I know better. I know I should do this. Um, and I like doing it, but I just haven't done it for myself is I, you know, I need to start my own podcast and I have this book about to come out. So I'm, I'm finally getting that motivation to have something to, you know, to really leverage, but I have really put it off. I mean, not so much that I don't want to just the, the time involved. And like you said, there's so many things to focus on. So many balls in the air, but uh, I'm finally, I think I'm finally committed <laughs> to doing it. Okay. Well, and I am a fan of you doing it, of course. So here's my motivation for you to do it. Though, yeah, I could say the same thing back. You know, I've been, I am taking steps slowly but surely on a book, but uh, so you got to get a yes. podcast out. I got to get a book out. So there we go. We'll meet in the That's middle. right. <laughs> awesome. Well, so admittedly, uh, so many of the responses that came back were focused on business ideas, uh, people who had an idea they wanted to do something with, or they had a business they were trying to start. So we conglomerated those together. I was going to start off with a handful that were not with a business focus, but so everybody can know we're going to, we're going to end on there and probably get a little deeper in there. Uh, so the first one here, this is an interesting one that I'm going to give a little focus to because it's from Caleb Miller. That is my oldest son. So I'll give you context here. Well, you guys know what I do. Do I advocate you know, working at something you're passionate about, working at something you care about, yada, yada. We all know that. Uh, my dad, Caleb's uh, grandfather, who he just lived with out in Tennessee, he was out there for about six months, is Dan Miller, 48 Days to the Work You Love. I mean, this is what he does, okay? So even with that, and I'm saying this to give people – a bit of a, if you're struggling in this area, a bit of a break, here's a kid who is got a great head on his shoulders and has big influences in this arena. And yet here's what he says. His struggle is being financially stable and successful. And he says, writing to me, I'm sure you're all too familiar with this and me. I struggle to take action towards it because though I want that financial stability and freedom, I have no specific career field of interest or vocational target. I have interests, things I enjoy and things that really get me in my element, but no clear career path. I just want to do something I care about doing, something I'm passionate about, something that will make an impact on people and leave a legacy. Uh, the hardest thing for me has always been simply starting because there is no goal or target clear and direct enough to dive into. So the journey continues, dot, dot, dot. Uh, so again, even surrounded by so much of this stuff, here he is, and he still, though, having to admit that he hasn't found that thing that he wants to go after. He does love music. He spends a lot of time uh, writing and singing music, plays on worship teams and with different groups and really likes that, but hasn't even felt led to that. That's the, you know, that's what I want to do for my career. He wants to be with a team, a collaborative team, uh, and he's looking around. So, you know, it's part of his journey. He has, he knows that he wants to find something to really dig into and he hasn't. So meanwhile, he's doing some other things. Uh, I just appreciate it and want to put this out for those who maybe are in a similar situation of, I don't know what I'm passionate about going after. It's a journey, as he said. So here's a guy who's surrounded by it and yet he's still, it's, it's going to you know take its, take its time. Absolutely. And you know what? Everybody's on that journey. He's still young, right? Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's even aware of it yeah. is huge. I mean, we meet both of us. We meet people all the time that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they don't know what yeah. they're supposed to do or what they're passionate about. So yeah. uh, I, I think we can all relate a little bit to how Caleb is feeling. 
Uh, and, and he is daily to his credit. He is daily making effort. He's making those deposits. He's, and meanwhile, he is working at things and he's trying things and he goes and works here and goes, nah, gosh, it's not really a good fit. And so he applies and he works for somewhere else. And, uh, yeah, so it's interesting. And even that, that he's working at places right now, he does not feel like he wants to go after an entrepreneurial effort, which he knows that's my stick too. It's all I've ever known. Uh, so it's really interesting for both of us as he, as he walks through this. Uh, well, here, this one's right up your alley. This is Laura Rayburn, and I know Laura. She's, uh, she's an incredible athlete, long-distance runner. Uh, but she says her issue right now is writing, W-R-I-T-I-N-G, writing. She says, I have the skill, but I haven't been using it. I use the excuse of being busy with work and kids. She's a single mom. But I know you make time for what's important, so it must not be important enough yet, or I'm just afraid I don't have anything valuable to say. Uh, then she goes on, maybe I just need to get off my butt and write, or more accurately, sit on my butt and stop doing the urgent but important and just write. Uh, I'll, just hand wow. that, I'll just hand that to you on a silver platter there, Michelle. This is your alley. <laughs> well, Laura, if you're listening, you are so not alone. Most people, in fact, I think everybody, when they start out with a book or writing in general, think, well, who am I to do this? Or what do I have to say? Well, I'm here to tell you, you... Everybody has a story and every story matters. And even if you, you write it down, whether it's in a book or a blog post or, or you know, anything really, you never know what impact that's going to have on someone. So my suggestion is, is kind of breaking it down. I, feel, I think part of the reason people get overwhelmed with writing books is because we do have all this awesome information floating around in our head, but getting it out of your head and onto paper is one of the hardest steps in the whole process. So start small. My advice would be getting really, really clear on if you were to write something and if you were to ha have an opportunity to help someone. Who would that who would that person be? What kind of a, is it a woman? Is it a business owner? You know, are they teachers? What athletes? But then getting clarity on, okay, well, what would I want to share with them? And then, and then start from there because there's so many things you can write about. But if you come from the perspective of, I have one opportunity to share some insight or to share some knowledge on something that I know really, really well, and I'm passionate about it. What would I say? Start writing that. And I promise it will fly out a lot easier than if you sit down and and put the pressure on, I'm writing a book or I'm, you know, no, just break it down. What would you share? If you could make a difference, what would you say? Well, there you go. And I'll, I did give her a recommendation, Michelle on, uh, well, my biggest recommendation or, or a big one would be to check out, go to michelleprince.com or Bookbound by the sea. And of course the testimonies that you have for people going to your event, your live events or connecting with you, uh, remotely otherwise are significant getting a coach, being in a group like that and going through the process, of course, is tremendous now on a, a far lesser level, but when any, anybody can do right now, uh, there's of course no end to different services, people who have different programs for, you know, how to write. But I recently talked about one because Guy Kawasaki, who I interviewed for the second time, talked about this in his book, his new book, Wise Guy. And he said, it's a book that changes life. Well, based on that, I just got it. It's called If You Want to Write by Brenda Euland. And Michelle, it is, it is an odd book. Brenda's not alive anymore. It's an older book. And the book, it looks like it was kind of self-published. It has errors in it. 
It is an odd book, but for some reason she is so inspiring and just write, get out of your head, get out of your, you know, all the different constraints stuff and just write. So it's a little book. It's a little cheap book. And it has been a fun one to read. And my family's read some of it with not anything to the depth and level of how you actually help people make it happen. But if hers is just saying, just kind of like what Laura said, just, just sit down and write something, get out of there and just be creative and just write something. It's been kind of fun. Um, I love that. I'm going to get that book. It, it is kind of fun. You're going to read and just it just real quick. Yeah. Because we all should just sit down and write. And in fact, yeah. that's exactly when I start, wrote my first book. It wasn't really with this intention to write a book, to publish a book, to build a business. Yeah. I just sat down and started to write. So I love that. And Laura, I hope you do the same. Yep. I do too. Well, this is uh, Steve Rosen. Now, Steve has been a, I don't know how many years he's retired military, does a lot of writing and communicating these day, days on PTSD, but for a long time, he's a, been a fitness coach or, or he had been. Uh, and he said, so Kevin, are you ready for this? He says, for me, it's getting back into consistent movement with my fitness. It's been nearly six months since I've trained my body. I joined the local YMCA. It's time to go ahead and see what doing a bit more than relaxing in the sauna will do. So he had a business down in Arizona. He moved cross country with his family, stopped the business, kind of semi-retired. And now he's been, I don't know if he said, if he's been totally sedentary, but I thought that was interesting because, you know, so many people, it hits on that thing that anytime we, make an effort towards something. We generally start because we have some inspiration, some catalyst and we get going and there's the excitement of taking those steps. There's usually the excitement of having that initial, uh, you know, initial progress that we make and then life happens and something gets in the way and you lose your momentum. Well, on a bigger scale, here's a guy who's been a fitness trainer. That was his livelihood for years and now six months and he talked about losing momentum. He says, I haven't trained my body getting back into that. Sometimes that can be even harder than starting for the first time. So for everybody out there who started something, lost momentum, feels like they're back to square one or zero or even worse or whatever. Here's a guy. And yet I guarantee he'll go after it and we'll see him make some big progression. Um, and it happens to all of us. How's that? It does. And the fact, again, kind of like Caleb, the fact that he's even aware of it is huge mm -hmm. because, you know, he knows what he needs to work on. So therefore he will, but most people, you know, don't take long enough to sit down and think about it. Um, yeah. I can, I can so relate to that as well. I mean, I know there's things that I need to be doing. I know I need to be out walking more and exercising more. Um, and sometimes it's just really tough. That, that's that one. It happens to be one of the hardest areas for me being, uh, I mean, I was a pro athlete and I know that when you're going along and you're progressing or even just maintaining your health, that when you fall off, it can really drop off quickly and you really fall behind. It's one of the things that keeps me from, I can't, uh, you know, we all have our areas of strengths and weaknesses. I have weaker areas over here, like planning and organizing and things like that. Um, that's one where, boy, I, I, it's hard for me to go a day or two without doing something because I think it's that fear of, oh my gosh, I'm going to fall so far behind, but we all have our areas. Well, so Michelle, so many on business, I'm going to start off with one that will hit a lot of people. Uh, it comes from, uh, Gregory Byerline and he said he is struggling with motivation Oh, I'm sorry. No, he says it's being able to work from home full time 
and follow his entrepreneurial ideas. And I asked him on Facebook, I said, are there steps you think you need to take that you're struggling with the motivation uh, to, to do so? And he says, I'm struggling with motivation. One, because I've been there before and I failed. How many people are, let's, we can stop right there. How many people, if we're talking about starting it, wait, we could take this to anything, whether it's starting a business or starting a health and wellness regimen or routine or starting a whatever, who have done it and they have literally failed. So that exists. You started something, you did not succeed. That one may be one of the hardest things to overcome. Michelle, I'm sure it's happened to you multiple times and you've seen it happen with so many people that you've worked with. They've tried it and they've failed. So they have the proof in their life that they failed. Even if they believe, I know I probably could do it. It's possible, but I failed. That's a hard one to get over. That is a very hard one to get over. In fact, I know somebody right now that is going through that exact same thing. And you you lose your confidence. You lose that motivation, the confidence, everything to kind of what gets you going in the morning. Yeah. And, but it's just like with anything else, just keep moving forward. And, you know, all, I, I, what I hold on to, cause I've failed at many, many things and I can fail on things on a daily basis, but I hold on to those stories of the people that, you know, they failed a hundred times before they hit this huge opportunity or this huge business. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Just, just keep going. It's, it's a, it's a, you know, personal development, business development, self-help, whatever we hear about it constantly. These quotes, maybe they're pithy, you know, on failure, failure. There's no such thing as failure. We can look at it a hundred different ways. Either way, if you've tried something and you didn't succeed to the level you wanted to, that is just hard. I don't, and I don't want to minimize that. It's hard. It's hard for me. It's hard for other people. I do think you, you can grow in your faith. Well, you can, you know, you can, you can grow in your doubt or you can grow in your faith and the people that we see succeed ultimately grow in faith that that failure is not everything. They're going to get past it. They learned how not to do it. Um, yada, yada, but, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize it. You are listening to the Ziegler show and we just talked about the impact of failure from a listener, Gregory. Next, he shares the very real pressure of family and responsibilities that will resonate, I think, with most of you, if not every single one of you. So we'll be right back after we thank our wonderful show sponsors. So here, Gregory says, I've been there and failed. Plus two. Now here's a real tangible one for a lot of people. Now we have three kids. Uh, that we homeschool. So I am the sole breadwinner. What I miss in autonomy, my job provides instability while we build our financial base back up. I am definitely grateful for my job, but it's challenging when it occupies so much of my time and energy. When I'm home, I want to be home. When I'm not at home or work, I'm running because it manages my sanity. Literally, he means running uh, as in going for a run. Uh, I'm a big time admirer of my wife for working full time inside our home, but she and I both know that we'd be more financially comfortable if we were a two income household, which is also why I get frustrated that my side hustles don't produce as many dollar signs as they could or should. I think he just spoke, Michelle, as you all know, for, I have no idea how many percentage or how many millions of people who are stuck, feel stuck, feel challenged in that same predicament. I, I agree. I was there for years and years. I called them the golden handcuffs mm -hmm. because on one hand, you know, you have like, I was in sales, so I have this great job, but I, I wasn't happy with it anymore. And I knew I wanted to start my own business and I was really trying to do it on the side. And, but that, that golden handcuff of knowing like you got a consistent paycheck, insurance, all those things, but being on the other side of it now, mm -hmm. 
it's to find a way to make it work. And even if it means there's a season where you are working your tail off a full-time job and building a business, I'm telling you the other side of it and having your own business is so worth it Uh, for me at least. Uh, uh, Well, okay. So you're going right where I was. I mean, Gregory in, I know that position. I know that feeling. And in that, this is one thing that worked. Everybody wants to, of course, tell you that here's the thing that will work. This is what worked for me. It's going to be different for you. But for me, it was looking ahead. The thing that often motivates me is the future and saying, what am I, what am I not okay with the future looking like in a year, two years, three years, whatever. Am I, am I okay if nothing changes? And if the answer is no, something's got to, I go out here and look and put that pressure on myself. Uh, this has to happen. Uh, I'll usually then make some kind of big commitment, something that I have to now answer to. I have to be responsive to, you know, we as humans have a hard time being proactive. We're much better at just being responsive. So I'll force it. I'll manifest that and make a big commitment. Uh, and, and whether it's, you know, hiring a business coach or purchasing whatever business you're going after purchasing something, uh, doing an event, hiring a client that you're not ready for. Uh, my dad has some amazing stories of that in his entrepreneurial lifetime about going out. He did this one time with a business idea, went out, sold the idea. And the guy said, yeah, be back here next week and you can go it, uh, go do it. He got literally physically sick at the pressure of doing it, but it forced him to get his stuff together and go and just give it a shot. Um, making a big commitment, you know, but again, you're back to where you started, Michelle, with just, are you motivated enough, which is going to come down. I think it's just a root issue with all of us. How bad do we want it? How bad do we need it? And I think sometimes we need to realize, you know, I don't want it bad enough. It's not a big, I I don't really want to rock the ship that I'm at. It's not really that bad. It'd be nice, but uh, some people can be at peace, rest at peace. It's not the time. I've been there a little bit, Michelle, with the book, as much as I'll start to feel pressured and think I need to, I think I don't don't have to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't need to make that big commitment right now. Or I felt that way. I'm little by little getting to the spot of going, no, I got to do it now. But mm-hmm. we all hit that point and there's yeah. a season for everything. Right. And it's there funny is. when you brought up the book, because I, that's, I hear it over and over and over and over again. People come to Bookbound, They're so excited. They're ready to write their book. And then I'll see them a year later and they, you know, they're all disappointed. They didn't do it. And I always tell them, you know what, it will happen when it's supposed to happen. Maybe your story isn't, maybe there's parts of your story that you're still going to experience, but you get to this point where all of a sudden it just hits and you're like, Oh, I have to do this now. You know? It's so. we, back, you know, like Stephen Covey's boxes of urgent and important, whatever. I think it's probably one of the most more important things we can do in life, but it's rarely urgent. You know, I got to write a book or, I mean, our job, our business sometimes is, is there because of finances, because of our own daily sanity. But the book is one that's easy to put off. And yet when people do it, as you know, it's often life-changing. Uh, that's the one that, that's the one that convicts me so much is knowing how big a deal it'll be. Um, well, here's, uh, Katarzyna. She says, starting my business. I don't believe it's, it's just a motivation thing. I have a strong desire to do it. There's just something stopping me right after Melissa Schnelter. I think she says me too. I've been stuck in the brainstorming mode for a couple of years. It's the unknown and not wanting to sink too much capital into something that may fail in most other areas. I'm a huge risk taker, but I've been hesitant with this. How do you research a market for something that isn't currently uh, happening right now? How do you make projections for annual sales or do you just leap and hope that they, uh, that, that you find what you need? 
so there's just a, a kind of a, an overview of where so many are with just an idea. So this is not even a, a specific on paper. It's just an idea. And there's so many things that we can say to there. Again, they talk about something. There's no end of information resources that you can tap into out there on businesses. I think we come back right away or we start with right where we were a minute ago, Michelle with, you know, what's the motive? Why do you want to do that? So many people, you know, it kind of exists there. They don't like their job or they feel like they, they want to do this, but they haven't really gotten concise on why do I want to do this? And we're back to the core Ziegler of goals. I would, with anybody in this area arena, what is it that you want to achieve? Why do you want to do this? And getting that clear as can be, and it's taped on your uh, bathroom mirror at home, your you know, rear view mirror and your car, it's on your computer desktop at your office, whatever, what is it? And a lot of people I know are not going to really know. That's the point of why you have not taken those steps. You know, when I first uh, had the desire and I knew I was supposed to start a business, somebody said something to me and it really helped for, you know, what Melissa and was saying, you know, you think, well, you have to plan and plan and plan and plan. And what if it fails? And I put all this effort and money into it. And they said, you don't have to get it right to get it going. Just get it going. Make one small step today. Set up a Facebook page that is, you know, promoting your new idea or offer to start writing or go speak or do something. You don't have to have it all perfectly mapped out in order for it to be successful down the road. But if you don't start, you're never going to have that success. It's that analysis. What is that? Uh, paralysis analysis, by analysis. Paralysis. <laughs> Because you could look at it for, for months and months and years and never make progress. And what if you would have taken one step and it, and it worked? Yeah. What if it works? And we usually find people who will be in this type of area for so, so long. And then finally, one of two things happen. Finally, they just let it go and, and it's just not going to happen. Or there's some kind of a catalyst that is finally going to make it happen. But I think we sit around waiting for that. And in the meantime, we feel guilty. Uh, we feel frustrated with ourselves. And, you know, first thing, find some peace about it. But again, if we'll sit down and go, why is it that you want to do it? And even ask a question, is it really important enough to make the extra effort? And a lot of people can just realize in that moment, it's just not okay. Be at peace. Uh, but if it is, then there's your first, what your first brick, your first piece of the catalyst, your first spark. Um, well, here's one, Jennifer Meisel. She says, uh, I have an idea for a sitcom that I have been developing for a year. I can't seem to put it down on paper because I say I need to study how to do that first, or I need to think of who to send it to all excuses to avoid actually sitting down to the task of putting pen to paper. It seems too daunting to tackle, maybe fear of putting in a lot of work for no reason. And I asked her, I said, what do you think might help your motivation? She says, maybe a mentor, someone who's been there and done that. In her case, uh, with such a specific thing, a sitcom, well, I'd say with anything, it, it is hard to beat finding somebody who has had success in an area that you want to go into. Uh, it's hard to beat finding that person and connecting with them, whether it is as a paid coach, whether it's somebody who will mentor you and actually volunteer the time, uh, whatever. But, uh, you know, the third would be just modeling, finding somebody, maybe they have a book, they have a course, they have something that you've done, but it really, really is hard to beat. And even in this day and age where you and I, Michelle live in the personal development world, and this is, this is it, it is, it's coaching and resources and books and, uh, and, and, uh, 
different, uh, different products and services, it's still pretty rare for people to really dig into something specific to what they want to do and start learning and apprenticing and going after that. Uh, we generally stay and we hear a lot of stuff, but again, you know, this is the point of this show. What do we do to take action? I think that one for that specific of a thing, a sitcom, find somebody, you can go out there online and find somebody who not only knows and can help you. Maybe they have a course, they have something available or you can ask. It's amazing what people will do. If you simply ask, you might find a true mentor. For sure. And you know, there's don't recreate the wheel. Somebody is, has done exactly what it is you want to do in any industry, right? So go talk to them, pick their brain, hire them as your coach actually, and then, you know, learn from them. But one other thing I'll say about that, I don't really know anything about sitcoms, but I know about the writing part of it is if you were to have this great sitcom and you want to, you know, go and present it to, to a studio or, or something, they're going to ask you, they want to see it. They're going to ask you to send, them the written exactly what it is. So no matter what, even if you don't know the process to actually get a sitcom picked up yet, you still have to write it down for other people to be even able to know if they're going to like it. So don't worry so much about the next step. First step, just get it written down and then find that somebody who's already done the next step (laughs) and hire them. Well, I'm going to hit on just what you said there, Michelle. I'll read this next one and we'll go dig into that a little bit more. Julia Hammond, she says, uh, I have a fun little side business I want to start and I have it all planned out in my head. I need graphic designs done. Those cost money. And what if I can't get it how I want it? Or what if people think the ideas are stupid? So I guess money and fear for me. So then I lose my motivation to move forward. Okay. A couple of key points there, but I'm going to come back to what uh, you talked about just a second ago there, Michelle, you know, with, in regards to what her saying, or what if people think the ideas are stupid, uh, sharing our ideas, that is something that God bless my dad. He, he taught me long, long time ago because so many people would come to him and say, I have an idea, but I don't want to share it with anybody. I don't want them to steal it. That was the big one that would come along. I don't want anybody to know. Or I think also, you know, people had a lot of fear that somebody would think it was stupid. So they keep it inside too. And it was just a, an excuse to say somebody might steal it. Either way, his feeling was, man, if he, if they won't readily share it, he's not working with them. The ideas in his quote was, you know, ideas are a dime a dozen. The point is somebody who will take action on them from that. I have a business right now and we had NDAs, uh, non-disclosure agreements written up and, and all this stuff. And finally we just abandoned them. They're a pain in the butt. It takes forever. And people, you know, investors, everything, they're not looking to start a business with every idea they hear. They're looking to invest in somebody they believe in who will do it. You're much better off to share your ideas and find out if they do seem valid. If people laugh at them, well, maybe there's a reason and maybe you shouldn't do that. Or maybe you'll find the motivation through that to do it. Uh, but share what you've got and find, even if you, if you have to go and pay a coach and there's a non-disclosure agreement, whatever, but share it with other people. You've got to do that. The, there's so many bad stories. I've been one of those bad stories before multiple times. And then I've seen them even more where somebody goes and spends so much time, so much effort and with that visualization of, you know, down in the basement and then finally comes out and says, Hey, here world. And then they find out all the things that are wrong, maybe brilliant, but all the things that are wrong, that if they had tested it and asked and surveyed, uh, and, and just talked about it, they would have known. And now they've got all this effort. And a lot of times you'll find people who put a lot of money into, into something and to go back and fix it feels catastrophic. 
And a lot of times we'll just see the, the idea die right there. For sure. I mean, the whole collaborative process, that's really where, for mm-hmm. me personally, mm-hmm. I have made more strides in my business when I collaborated with someone, when I gave them more detail than I probably felt comfortable. You know, I did share, okay, this is really my grand plan, my strategy. And there is that, of course, there's the, the risk that somebody could take it and run with it. But the reality is, like you said, very few people are looking for just to go steal an idea to go do the actual work, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's funny. We were just having this conversation last night with one of my sons and we we're talking about inventions and, and all that. And, you know, have you ever had something where you see it and you said, Oh gosh, I thought of that. I thought of that. Yeah. You know, that was my idea. Yeah. Well, like you said, ideas are, are a dime a dozen. Yeah. So unless you have an idea that you're willing to actually implement and do the work and invest the time and resources into it, you know, it doesn't matter that you have the idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Here's the funny one for me, Michelle, uh, true story. It was, I was probably man, 20, 21, 22. I don't know. And we're eating somewhere and they had fortune cookies and I just tickled myself thinking, Oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so great to have misfortune cookies? Uh, and you know, so we're, <laughs> we're riffing off about that. I don't know how many years later and then they existed and they exist today. I haven't looked them up now. It's not something that I really, you know, look back. Go, I wish I had done that, but it's interesting. Yeah. How often you do finally see something like that, uh, come around. Well, another thing that Julia said that was of interest to me was out of all the things in business, out of all the things that her side business might include, she pulled out, I need graphic designs done. Those cost money. And what if I can't get it how I want or whatever, take the money outside of that. That is interesting to me because with business ideas, I have come to know, realize, and I figured out how to manage. There's usually something that for whatever reason is a sticking point. Now, again, there's got to be a long list of a hundred things involving her business. Graphic designs has to be just one of them. That can't be, you know, the, the epitome of her idea. Why does that stick in there as, as a stumbling block for her? Who knows? Uh, I would, I would recommend <clears throat> advise you, Julia, set that one aside. Uh, with any business endeavor, I've always got a couple sticking points where they just, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate. It feels like a void. And I generally set those aside and just start working on everything else, get it going, delegate, whatever. And then I'll come back to those. And a lot of times I'll during that time, it, it'll be like one of those late night thoughts or in the shower thoughts. And I'll realize, wait a minute, I'm so glad I didn't take action because I don't need to do all that that I thought. It, it, it's almost like a, a, a subconscious seed back there that's planted and just working on it. Meanwhile, or you've made a lot of progress on it and with everything that's good happening, it doesn't feel like as big of a sticking point, but it's just interesting. I think if we all look at these, we'll find little stumbling blocks that we can't even figure out why is that one, the one that stuck out, but it just generally happens. So you're in good company. How's that? <laughs> you are in good company and good news on graphic design. You can actually find a lot of great people at very, very low yeah. cost. Start with your local college and, and find design students and see yeah. what you can pull out. Yeah. There, there are a lot of resources. I know one, I keep seeing a lot of ads for these days. I can't give a personal testimony, but it's Fiverr. It's F I V E R R. I believe yeah. uh, where you go and you can look at graphic artists and, and connect with lots of people. Uh, well, here's one. This is up here, uh, where you started Michelle with podcasting, Travis Alexander. He says, my wife and I would like to start a podcast. I feel that we have the content that would be helpful and interesting. I just feel hesitant that anyone would want to listen. I'm questioning if I have the speaking skills to not fumble around my words. We're really pushing ourselves to do it. We just feel uncertain on the turnout. 
Uh, and he asked, do you have any of these thoughts? Did, did you have any before starting out? So I responded, I said, Hey, understandable, lots of demand and opportunity in podcasting. I do want people to hear that because I know we have a lot of people in the Ziggler audience who are interested in this. They're obviously listening They're they're podcast listeners. And it, every week I hear a handful of people saying, yeah, I'd really like to start one. So there's a lot of demand. There's a lot of opportunity and I'll compare it to, let's say weight loss, uh, that there's, how can we have new information today? I mean, really, this has been going on since the dawn of time. If there's an insatiable demand for new voices, new ideas, different flavors, whatever, same thing in podcasting. That's the good news. Uh, there's also, and I wrote this to Travis also lots of competition for listeners. Uh, but it's like any business. What do you have to offer? Who needs it? How do you, uh, how do you create a compelling offering to entice them? Uh, before I started my first podcast, I had already built an audience to launch it to. So I didn't have as much concern as somebody starting from zero, uh, would, but it, it, that's just a promotional tool. So if you don't have that, the place that I would turn is looking for somebody who you can utilize and harness their audience. Somebody who already has a podcasting audience that might give you some promotion. And of course, if you don't have that, you can always pay for it, uh, and, and find that. But you know, as far as Will people listen to your content? Again, back to my dad, Dan Miller. One of the things that he always talks about with people who are interested in coaching is he says, are, he asks, are people listening to you now? Do people want and seek out your advice now? It's a telltale sign. Now, if they're not, it may just be because you're not you know, exposed to, to enough people or to the right people. So it doesn't mean that, that you don't have anything to offer, but it is good there. I mean, like you, Michelle, you're a shoo-in for a podcast. People are listening to you already. Uh, they listen to you on this show. They listen to you at your events. They listen to you through the entire Ziggler populace. Uh, so you're, that's an easy one to answer for you to say, yeah, you're, you'd be great to go into that. But I think for everybody to look and say, are people, and you can try it out, try it on different groups, try it with friends and family. Not all, not always the best place to go to, but go out there and reach out and find where people connect. So sometimes you'll have a topic and you'll put it out there and you'll find, gosh, the topic actually has a few different segments or aspects to it. And the one people gravitate towards most is this. That, that can give you a clue that maybe you need to lead with that or be prominent with that. Uh, but again, back to where we talked about, Michelle, of sharing. Get that message out and make sure that it's something that people really do want, that they understand what you're offering and grow it as opposed to uh, just going out and building it all right now and, and coming out. Then to see what do people like, do they like it? Mm, that is great advice. Uh, you know, it, it, and I think for me, I'm thinking a lot of it, shouldn't it go back to what is the goal? Like me, why are you doing a podcast and, and what is the point of it? And what do you, what is the, you know, cause some people start podcasts and, and it's not that they're wanting or, or even thinking that they're going to end up having millions and millions of listeners. They're doing it more for a strategic reason. Maybe they're, they're using that, they're taking it, they're maybe creating um, video content out of it. So thinking about, well, what's the ultimate goal? And if it is to impact people and help people, okay, so if there, is there another way, another channel that you can go, whether it's a seminar or a webinar or, you know, a book <laughs> that, that could also have that same impact? For me personally, and Kevin, I'm, I look to you for this advice since you're so successful with your podcast, you know, it, it, I don't think it is just one thing. Right. I think it has to be a lot of things in order for people to really see you as the brand, as that go to authority on your topic. Mm -hmm. The podcast is just adding to that credibility factor. Is that would you agree? 
free or what, what else would you offer on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's a channel. I think it's a, I'm, I'm a writer. I'd be happy just to write all day and disseminate that. I think I enjoyed it probably back in my blogging days when I had an audience and I was putting out a blog. I really enjoyed that. I started podcasting just because it was such a big channel. And, uh, you know, even as we look at, Hey, some people, really like to take in information visually reading. Some people like it auditorially like podcasting or audiobooks. Some people are, you know, kinesthetic. I think, you know, it's kind of a hands-on uh, type thing. We've seen video grow that, that meets both of those needs, but we have as a culture seen so many people who used to, who would normally naturally take in their information visually via writing. Uh, so many of them have gravitated over or, or even got, gotten into additionally the audio arena because they don't take the time to read like they used to. So they're listening. So even a, a natural reader is listening as they go down uh, or as they commute to work because that, that's, that's time when they can do it kind of, you know, it's automobile university to Zig Ziglar. Uh, and they're not taking time to write. So that's why I jumped over in it. And most people we see doing both these days. Of course, then you got the whole video uh, contingent. But yeah, it's just another channel. It's just like social media. If you're going to do social media, you should do you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I do stuff on those, even though I don't participate in all of them a whole lot. But I post there because that's some people just live on Twitter. So it's good to have something there. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you having multiple reasons. I don't know if anybody, just like what you would say with book writing, you know, if you're writing a book solely to make money, I don't know if that's best in the, the clearest, the wisest motive in, in that alone. I'd say, say the same with podcasting. Um, but man, it's a powerful, it's a powerful channel. And go where your audience is. And if they're listening to podcasts, they get up, get a podcast that, you know, that is true too, because we look at, oh yeah. And even looking at products, I, 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 I talked to somebody recently, uh, who has a, a gargantuan YouTube channel, but their audience is kids. Well, I think it was, it was a pretty young demographic, like average age is like 15 to 20. So they thought they'd go to, to a podcast. I said, man, go look at the demographics on podcasting. We, they're not real strong in that age group. So yeah, mm -hmm. to what you said, look at where your, your demographic is, you know, we can sum this up and there were so many on, on business and on starting these ideas. I was interested. I didn't know that I, I mean, we didn't have one on like health and wellness, weight loss or something like that. I was real interested with this question that we didn't, that it went down business again. There is so much information on that, but I don't know if anything stronger than what we keep talking about. Michelle is when you look at that, what is your core objective? Why are you doing that? And it does not have to be, this is one that I've been curiously thinking about because I've interviewed two people recently, Guy Kawasaki and David Meltzer. Both of them talked about in the early stages of their own business journeys and even just personal and vocational, everything that their primary motive was money. And both of them, and this is in the span, I interviewed them both in the span of probably 45 days or so, both of them were really shameless with it. Now they are amazingly successful, really altruistic uh, people today. But back then they said, you know, I'm so grateful that, okay, it was money, uh, call it what you will, but I'm grateful. At least I had that and it motivated me and it helped me to succeed and progress and then expand from there. But man, if it's, if it's money, if that is a primary thing, I don't want people to feel bad about that either. Um, you know, I think anybody will end up trying to serve other people and try to, uh, be, do value. But what were you gonna say, Michelle? 
Well, the more money you make, the more people you can help. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're starting something for the, the with the heart and the passion to serve and to help others, great. Just know you have to have money in order to help a lot of people. So I, I, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I agree. And if there's somebody out there who knows that they know that they've got some ego in them that would really like to have an audience and have the applause and have that confirmation, I, again, I don't know many top authors experts, speakers, podcasters, bloggers that don't have some of that in them. Uh, A good friend of mine became a really successful music artist and he struggled for a lot of years with the reality that he knows, uh, he knew that he, he loves the, he loves the accolades. He loves that. And I said, you know what? That's your, that's your problem to deal with. I think God made you to make music and you're blessing me. So don't you stop blessing me with your music, your anointing, just because you struggle with the ego on the other side. But as I've gone on, I don't know. I I have ego. I don't, I don't hate bad reviews. I don't hate more. (laughs) I don't hate more downloads. I don't hate more money. Oh, that's great. And it's also then awesome that I know that I'm helping people and I'm putting something out there of value that I would do even if I didn't need the money, even if I had to be anonymous, but I like those things. No, no joke. So, you know, uh, maybe those couple areas, money and ego, um, you know, we have to manage those. We have to be good stewards of those, but if those exist in you and you're questioning yourself because of them, you're human. Um, yep. <laughs> go roll with it. <laughs> roll with it. Roll with it. All right, Michelle. Well, we, I have a book to write and you have a podcast to produce. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. Always a gift. And, and always thanks so much to everybody who posted. All right, Michelle, let's go do it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks again to all who submitted their responses for this show. That's what makes these shows so rich. I invite all of you to join us for these weekly Q&A sessions. I'd love to get your input. Just find and friend me on Facebook at Agent K, as in Kevin, Miller. Well, hey, I'll share our next show topic right after I thank these sponsors. We're coming up next in episode 713. We talk about habits. However, instead of me reviewing the habits from one of my guests, I want to share something significant that I've learned while being privy to the habits of today's most influential people. I think this will be a pivotal show for many of you as we get to some root issues surrounding habits. Till then, thank you so much, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.